Welcome to Harvest Decatur. Welcome to our series through Ecclesiastes called Vanity Fair. Let me invite you to take your Bible and turn to the passage Brad just read, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Let me just start with this. You know, over the years I've been really critical of a Disney movie called The Lion King, okay? I want to start with this. There's a lot that the Lion King gets wrong. You know, just so you know, Disney doesn't always get things right. You heard it here first, all right? And I've been really critical of a few things in the Lion King, this idea that lions are kings of the beast. You know, lions aren't kings of the beast. We are kings of the beast. We are the animals, if I can use that term, made in God's image that rule over the world, according to Genesis 1. And I've also been critical of this kind of pantheistic notion that, you know, lions eat the gazelles and then the lions die and they become grass and then the gazelles eat the lions and it's kind of this cyclical thing. Now, let's be fair. There's a lot of not right things in the Lion King, but the Lion King gets at least one thing right. There is, in a way, this circle of life and maybe you even... Uh, clued into that as Brad was reading Ecclesiastes 1. There are, let me just speak really carefully here, there are some corollaries between the Lion King and Ecclesiastes 1. And just to emphasize that, here are the lyrics of Circle of Life, that Elton John song. From the day we arrive on the planet and blinking step into the sun, there's more to be seen than can ever be seen, more to do than can ever be done. There's far too much to take in here, more to find than can ever be found, but the sun rolling high through the sapphire sky keeps great and small on the endless endless round. It's the circle of life. Aren't you glad I didn't sing that for you this morning? Now, what does that sound like? Well, that sounds like Ecclesiastes 1 in a way, doesn't it? Look at verse 5 in your text. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. There's a circle here that's being described. Look at verse 6. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuit, the wind returns. You might call this the circle of life. I've entitled this message today, The Circle of Life. Because according to Solomon and according to Elton John, There is something cyclical happening in our world. But here's the difference between the Lion King and what Ecclesiastes presents here. In the Lion King, that's a positive thing, the circle of life. It's positive. You know, there's there's that moment when Mufasa's talking with Simba, and he's like, it's a circle of life, son. Just embrace it. The gazelles eat us. We eat the gazelles. It's all good. Well, what Ecclesiastes presents here. I wouldn't call it positive. In fact, I would call it frustratingly negative. It's a vanity of vanities. It's hevel. Remember that word from last week? It's, It's vapor that just evaporates before us. The world just cranks on and on and on, and we are lost in the middle of it. Now, I'm going to work through this passage verse by verse, but I need to say two things just Two observations before we get into the nitty-gritty of this text, okay? And I want you to notice, maybe you noticed this even as it was read, there is no mention of God anywhere in that passage. Did you notice that? God doesn't show up until Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 13. 
So what Koheleth is describing here, what Solomon is talking about is life apart from God, life under the sun on this earth apart from God. That's key to understanding what he's saying here. Remember, this is wisdom literature. You gotta be wise to understand this. And the other observation I wanna make is that there's this key phrase in verse three, under the sun. Everybody say that in verse three. Also in verse nine, that gets used, that little phrase, it's unique to Ecclesiastes and it's used like 27 times in this book. That little phrase indicates that what we're talking about here is life in this world, under the sun, apart from God, because God isn't, he isn't restrained under the sun like we are. He's beyond the sun, he's above the sun, he created the sun. We're talking about life apart from God, under the sun. All right? That's Ecclesiastes 1. Keep that in mind as we work through this text. But before we even start out, write this down as number one in your notes. I'm going to give you today three realities of life under the sun. Here's the first. Work is a zero-game sum for us. A zero-sum game for us. Work is a zero-sum game for us. It's a net zero gain is what Solomon alludes to. Here's the idea. We work and we work and we work and we work and then we die and we go into the ground and we don't take anything with us. We, we, We acquire all kinds of stuff throughout our days and then empty handed we go to the grave. That's the idea and that's why Solomon asked this question in verse three. It's a good question to ask. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? What's the gain? What's the the profit? Now, this is a rhetorical question here. The answer is obvious. We gain, ultimately, nothing. Naked you came into this world, naked you depart. We gain nothing. You know, he, he, and Solomon hints at two things in this verse, in verse three. He hints at the fact that our work is toilsome. The word for toil here is the Hebrew amal. It indicates, this word amal, it indicates Drab, unpleasant labor. That's our toil. And that's the nature of our work in this Genesis 3 world. Thorns and thistles. That's what we have in this world. And and remember, this is under the sun and this is apart from God. There's a toil to it. There's There's a drudgery. It can be really miserable on this side of eternity. And not only is it toilsome, but also it's profitless. It's a zero-sum game. Solomon says, what does man gain by all of his toil? The word for gain there, here could be translated profit. What does it profit a man to work and to work and to work under the sun? Is there any profit to it? And, and some people might say, yeah, there is. There is. I've read the book of Proverbs. Proverbs says there's profit. We need to work hard. We need to gain. Yes, okay, well, the cynic in Ecclesiastes says, okay, well, well, what do you really gain? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you return to the ground. What lasting gain is there in our work? What lasting profit is there, commercially speaking? In other words, at the end of your life, economically, commercially, what you've gained is a net zero. You can't take it with you. And we get a sense of that even before death, I think. You know, You go to work and you make some money. And what do you do? You spend that money, right? 
And then well, I got to go back to work again. You make some money and you, you spend that money. I got to go back to work and you make some money, you spend. What's, what's the meaning of all that? It's in more areas than just that. You fix something at your house, you think it's all good. Three years later, it's broken again. You got to fix it again. You know, you change a diaper and then three hours later, sure enough, you got to change another diaper. You, you tell your kids something. This feels like a vanity under the sun. You tell your kids something for like the thousandth time. And you know in your heart of hearts, I'm going to have to tell them again sometime soon. It's just, and you just say it and you say it and you say it. And what Solomon is talking about here, what, what he's alluding to is the fact that under the sun, apart from God, you, ladies and gentlemen, are a hamster on a wheel. You're just running, running, running. And then you have a heart attack and die and the wheel stops. That's what he's talking about. In Greek mythology, there's this character. His name is Sisyphus. I've referenced this before. Sisyphus was a, a king in Corinth and he was a deceitful person so the gods decided to punish Sisyphus. So here's what they made him do. They made him roll this heavy boulder all the way up to the top of a hill. And, and he did this over and over again. And just before he got to the top of that hill, they made the boulder roll all the way down to the bottom. So he rolls it up the hill, rolls back down. He rolls it up the hill and it rolls right back down. This is the Sisyphean task that we have been given. It sounds like Ecclesiastes. We go and we go and we go, and then at the end we die, and what, what's after it? Under the sun, apart from God. You might say, well, Pastor Tony, okay, maybe, maybe I don't gain anything when I go into the ground, but I'm not here for money. I'm not here to gain stuff. I'm here to leave a legacy to my children. Ah, if you're saying that, Look at verse four. You've been set up for a trap because that's exactly what Solomon anticipates you saying. And so Solomon says, verse four, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. You come and you go. You live and you die. The earth just marches on without you. Maybe you leave a legacy to your children. Maybe you do. I hope you do. Maybe you leave a legacy to your grandchildren. Let me ask you a question, though. What about your grandchildren's grandchildren? What? They won't even know your name. Am I right? Let's just, let's just have a little exercise right now, okay? Think with me about your grandparents. Do you know the names of your grandparents? How, how many of you all know the names of your grandparents? Every one of you. How many... How many of you know the names of your grandparents' grandparents? I see a few hands. What about your grandparents' grandparents' grandparents? Anybody? I know my grandparents' grandparents. I know one set, Edwin and Effie Caffey. They're buried in Seagraves, Texas. I've seen their tombstone. I don't know anything about them. I don't know. what If they had a legacy to pass down to me, it's been lost to history. I don't know. I just know that they lived. So if you're living for that, Solomon says, a generation comes, a generation goes, the earth remains forever. Are you depressed yet? Everybody's significantly depressed? I heard a story this last week about a man whose, di whose dad died when he was young. He was a young man and 
It was kind of an unexpected thing. His dad died, and so he goes to the funeral, and he weeps, and then he gets in the limo, and then they go to the gravesite. And as they're driving over to the gravesite, he sees these people in their homes, and they're, you know, they're working in the garden, or their roof in their house, or their, you know, whatever, jogging. And this young man just he's angered by this. These people just living their lives. Don't you know my dad just died? Don't you know? Can't you just stop for a second and acknowledge that my dad lived and he died? And they don't. Life just goes on. The earth just cranks on, on and on and on. Time and history forgets you. We'll get to that in just a minute. Now, some of you right now, I know, because you, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're like, well, hold on, Pastor Tony. We got other passages in the New Testament. Hold, all right, all right, all right, we'll get there, okay? Just hold your horses. I promise you we'll get to hope before I'm done this morning. But what I want you to do, at least initially here, is just feel the despair of life under the sun without God. I want you to feel Solomon's despair here, all right? Can you do that with me? You happy Christians, you? Come on now. Feel what he's saying. Generations come and they go, and the earth remains forever. Write this down as number two in your notes. Here's the second reality of life under the sun and apart from God. Nature marches on without us. We get a taste of that in verse four when Solomon says the earth remains, even though generations come and go. Now Solomon's going to discuss three forces in our world that just keep moving after we die. The sun, the wind, and the water. Let's look at these one by one. First, the sun. Look at verse five. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. Rises and goes down, hastens back to where it rises. You feel that? The cyclical nature of that? It's just going round and round. The, the earth's just circling the sun over and over again. Did the sun rise and set for the Old Testament Israelites? Yes, yes it did. Did it rise and set in the days of Jesus? Did it rise and set in the days of your grandparents? Yes, it did. And it will rise and it will set long after you're gone unless Jesus comes back before then. Sunrise, sunset. Remember that song from Fiddler on the Roof? Sunrise, sunset. Sunrise, sunset. It's a really important part of the movie because if you remember in the movie, they're celebrating the marriage. Tevye is celebrating the marriage of his oldest daughter. And it's a really celebrative occasion. Everybody's happy, happy, happy. And then they get to a moment where, where the... The narrative starts to slow and everybody gets really sad and reflective. And Tevya sings that song, Sunrise, Sunset, and he says, I don't remember growing older. When did they? When did my little girl become somebody who could get married? When did I become old? Old enough to have a daughter getting married. Some of y'all have been through that, I know. You're at the wedding of your kids and you're like, when did I get old? When did my little girl, now she's getting married. How did that happen? Sunrise, sunset. Time is marching on. Nature marches on. Sunrise, sunset, swiftly fly the years, one season following another, laden with happiness and tears. I remember being in Florida once with my parents and we watched the sun set over the the Gulf of Mexico. We were on the, what is that, the western side of Florida watching the sun set. And if you ever do that, watch the sun set over the ocean, it's, 
It's kind of a melancholy experience. I mean, there's, there's a mixture of joy and sorrow. There's, it's like, wow, this is beautiful. And then you think to yourself, wow, human beings have been doing this for thousands of years, watching this sun set. And after I'm gone, this sun will just keep rising, just keep setting. I'm just a blip on the human timeline. Here I am, just a blip. So that's the sun. Look at also the wind in verse 6. Earth keeps going around the sun. Cyclical, cyclical, cyclical. Now the wind, verse 6, blows to the south, goes around to the north. Something cyclical about that. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuit, the wind returns. The same wind that blew on the Old Testament Israelites blows on us. The same wind that blew on your grandparents blows on you. And there's some irony in that because it's not like the sun is evil. It's not like wind is evil. The same wind that chills you in the dead of winter is the wind that cools you off in the heat of the summer. And it just keeps blowing and it it just keeps circling. Not just the sun and the wind, but also the water. Look at verse 7. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Old man river, right? Just keeps rolling along. It just keeps going. This is especially true. I mean, it's true. Look at the Mississippi River flowing in the Gulf of Mexico. But think about an Israelite king. Think about a a king in Israel, in Jerusalem, in Solomon's day. You had this great example not far from him. You had the Dead Sea. You had the Jordan River flowing into the Dead Sea. And the Jordan River sometimes would flow and flow. Fast it would flow. And the Dead Sea, it it never fills up. It never gets larger. It it just keeps coming. And and I don't know, you know, rain, stream, sea, rain, stream, sea. I don't know how much Solomon knew about the water cycle. He's the wisest man in the world. Maybe he knew something. But I would say that we probably even know more than he did about how cyclical the hydrological cycle is. Precipitation, evaporation, condensation, right? Precipitation, evaporation, condensation. Just keeps going, going, and going. Nature marches on. Even after we're dead, it's going to keep marching on. And here's a third reality of life under the sun. And just a word of warning this is even more depressing than the first two. History repeats itself and forgets us. History repeats itself and forgets all about us. Solomon says in verse 8, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. In other words, satisfaction eludes us as humans. We, We can't ever get enough. We can't ever see enough. There's always another YouTube video to watch. There's always another book to read. There's always another story to tell. There's always, there's all always another movie to watch or story to hear. These things bring temporary satisfaction, but they don't quench the deeper longings of the heart. That's life under the sun. Remember what Augustine said, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And and we can't fill that. We try, but we can't. We are restless until we find our rest in God. That's what he's alluding to here. It gets worse. Look at verse 9. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. 
And there is nothing new under that sun, under the sun. You know, if you trace history, there's, you, you look at maybe what people would see as technological advances, but they don't always do great things in terms of advancement. There, there's usually a, a double edge to it. So we create these insecticides, you know, that help protect our food and make it possible for us to grow more food. Well, then the Nazis get a hold of that insecticide and they use it to gas six million people. You know, we, we create social media so that we can connect with friends and family, this good thing. But then now we find that social media causes anxiety and depression in our young people and people use it for nefarious purposes. The more we change, the more things stay the same. And, and history just keeps, we can't get out of this Genesis 3 rut that we're in. This, the sin of depravity is still in our hearts. Verse 10, is there anything which is said? See, this is new. Look, here's a new thing. Solomon says, no, it's not new. It has already been in the ages before us. Thomas Edison, the great inventor, he said that his inventions were only bringing out the secrets of nature and applying them for the happiness of man. That's all he did, bring out the secrets of nature. There's nothing really new. There's nothing really new in our world. Some of you might say, well, technology's new, Pastor Tony. Look what, look what we can do. Look what we've achieved in the age of information. Look at the internet. Yeah, look at the internet. Look at Google. Yeah, look at Google. Look, look, at, look at innovation. Yeah, I'm, I think the jury's still out on whether that's even good for us. You know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. The same people we give our information to, now they're using their information against us, and big tech is terrifying all of us. Is that an improvement in our society? Maybe, maybe not, some good, some bad, but we're not really advancing to the place where we no longer have to search, where we can be at rest, where we can know our purpose in this life, this life under the sun. The Old Testament scholar, Dwayne Garrett, he says it this way, you can read this on the screen. I was struggling with this, like, we do have new stuff. I got a new iPhone, so how does that play into this? Here's what Garrett says. He says, the teacher's words are not contradicted by technological advances or by the fact that we can remember the names of famous people, such as Homer, Caesar, Shakespeare. The fundamental events of life, birth, marriage, work, death, etc., remain unchanged. The desire for something new is the desire for something that alters the nature of life in this world. Cars, computers, and jet airplanes may have made some things easier and faster. For us, however, as for our ancient predecessors, the sun rises and sets. The rivers run their courses. And people continue their endless quest for fame, power, and happiness even as they move steadily towards death. The vast majority of people never achieve lasting fame while those who do gain, gain it, gain nothing by it. And not only does history repeat itself, it also forgets about us. Look at verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things. In other words, we forget. We forget. You know, when I'm in Croatia, Sonia's hometown in Zagreb, sometimes when we're walking around the city there, we'll find these statues of people. 
And I'm always curious when I see a statue or a marquee or something, and I'll ask her, like, who's that guy on that statue? And inevitably, she, I don't know. I don't know who that guy is. It's like, what, why is there a statue here for him? He must be a famous Croatian or something. I don't know. And then I think to myself, you know, Sonia, she's been in America for 30 years. She just forgot, you know? So I'll, I'll ask one of the other Croatians. I'll ask my brother-in-law. He's been there for 50 years. Hey, Dalibor, my brother-in-law. Who's this, stat- who's this guy in this statue? Well, I don't know. Who cares? That's actually what he would say. He goes, I'd be like, I don't know. He'd be like, who cares? And, and here's a little bit of his personality too. Sometimes he'll tell me, well, you know, in days of yore in Croatia, sometimes people would just raise money and build a statue for themselves, even though they didn't do anything remarkable. So, so why should we remember them? And, and sometimes he does know. Not, I mean, there are famous people in Croatia who's like, well, that's, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so year. And it's, I mean, it's like, it's like the answer to a game of trivial pursuit. It's just a factoid. It has no relevance really at all. It's just a, just a time in history, a blip on the map. And, and that's what I think about when I read verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. They'll remember me, Solomon says. No, they won't. You don't remember anybody from years gone by. Why would they remember you? Time marches on. History marches on. And we get chewed up by it. You live, you die, and nobody remembers you. Your grandchildren's grandchildren someday won't even know your name. That's life under the sun. Can I interest you in something else? Can I give you some hope in the midst of this hopeless text? Let's transition. Now, that's Ecclesiastes 1. Remember I said last week, I'm glad Ecclesiastes isn't the only book in the Bible, right? I'm glad Ecclesiastes is in the Bible, but I'm glad it's not the only book in the Bible. Well, let's just peek at the New Testament. And what I want to do is I want to contrast here for you life under the sun with life in the sun. Capital S, capital O, capital N. Life in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. So write these in your notes. Three realities of life in the sun. Not under the sun, but in the sun. And here's the first. Christ redeems us. He redeems our lives and he redeems our work. He redeems our work. Life without God under the sun is vanity of vanities, says Solomon. Hevel Hevelim. It's the ultimate vanity. Work is toilsome and profitless. Christ Jesus enters the picture. And all of a sudden, we're given this opportunity to escape life under the sun. And now our work is meaningful. In fact, Paul says this. You can read this on the screen. He says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, knowing that in the Son, your labor, your work is not hevel. It's not in vain. It means something. It's worshipful even, your work. 
Apostle Paul says this too. I, this is on the screen. Men of Harvest Decatur, this is the theme verse for our men's retreat. So memorize this before we get together in October. Paul says, whatever you do, work heartily. Work from the soul, literally. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Are you all with me this morning? So you can get up tomorrow morning and go to work and it's hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go. Praise the Lord. Because I'm working for Jesus. And there is something profitable in what I'm doing. There's an eternal reward even. It's, it's a worshipful experience working for the Lord. So when Solomon or some other cynic, Mark Twain, or some other modern day atheist comes to you and says, you know what, you're just a hamster on a wheel. That's all you are. You're just a hamster on a wheel. You know what you tell them? You say, okay, but I'm Jesus' hamster. I'm going to work this wheel. And I'm going to do it for his praise and for his glory. Because he loves me and he knows me and he redeems me and he redeems my work and makes it meaningful. Here's another thing that Christ does. Not only does he redeem our life and our work, but he also makes all things new. Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. And that's true for people under the sun. But can I let you in on something about Jesus? He didn't originate under the sun. He originated beyond the sun. He created the sun. He's not limited like we are limited under the sun. So he has the power because he created the universe to make things new. And he does. Let me give you a list. You can read these on the screen. Christ Jesus makes new things. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5. Amen, church? We can walk in newness of life, Romans 6, verse 4. We enter into God's presence by a new and living way, Hebrew chapter 10, verse 20. At Christ's return, we will receive new, incorruptible resurrection bodies. Amen? Yeah, generations come and they go and we wear out and we get older. We get something new in eternity when Christ returns. Also in the New Testament, one day we will enjoy the new heaven and the new earth, Revelation 21, 22. One day we will live in the new Jerusalem with Jesus who says, Behold, I make all things new. I have that power. Y'all see that, Harvesticator? New, 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 new. A new covenant we have with Christ Jesus. New birth we have with Christ Jesus. We have a new life in Christ Jesus. New, 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 new. And it's all because Christ does not originate under the sun like the rest of us. He's the son of God that created everything that existed in eternity past and has the ability even to create ex nihilo, create out of nothing, unlike us. And by the way, you know, I say Jesus doesn't originate under the sun. Did you know in Revelation 21 and 22, 
when we enter into the new heaven and the new earth and we live in the new Jerusalem with Jesus, did you know that there is no sun in eternity? Have I shared this with you all before? I probably have. I'm reaching that age when I, I should be just repeating myself all the time. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. There's no sun in eternity. Read Revelation 21, 22. There's no sun in the new, do you know why there's no sun? There's no moon either. It's because John tells us that the glory of God lights up our world and we just bask in the light of God's glory. I can't wait for that. Finally, write this down as number three. History will forget you, okay? History will forget you. Mankind won't remember you. But Jesus says, I will never leave or forsake you. Christ never leaves us or forsakes us or forgets us. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus says, the sheep, I'm one of his sheep. The sheep hear the good shepherd's voice and the good shepherd calls his own sheep by name and he leads them. Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven, the end of Matthew 20, the last thing that he said is, behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. I'm with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to come back for you and lead you into eternity. Here's the point of this. The world will forget you. The world after you're gone will keep marching on. History will keep marching on. Time will keep marching on. Your children's 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 children will forget about you. But Jesus never will. And when the time comes, he will usher you into eternity with a new body and a new nature. And he will make all things new. Christ redeems our lives and our works. Christ makes all things new and Christ never leaves or forsakes us. This is life in the sun. Aren't you glad that there's not just life under the sun, but there's also life in the sun? Amen. Let me close with this, and then we're going to take communion together. I want to close this morning with a quote by one of the most famous philosophers of the 20th century, Pink Floyd. (laughs) What a great way to prepare for communion, a quote by Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd wrote a song song called Time on their album, The Dark Side of the Moon. This is circa 1973. And in that song, you can read the lyrics here. They talk about how time is moving faster and faster and how death is racing towards us. They write, so you run and you run to catch up with the sun, but it's sinking, racing around to come up behind you again. The sun is the same in a relative way, but you're older, shorter of breath, and one day closer to death. That sounds like Ecclesiastes, doesn't it? Sounds like Solomon. And then they say this, every year is getting shorter, never seem to find the time, 
plans that either come to naught or half a page of scribbled lines. Hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way. The time is gone. The song is over. Thought I'd something more to say. I say that, man, Pastor Tony, that's depressing. It's Pink Floyd. Of course it is. It's the 1970s. Everybody was depressed in the 1970s. But I, I think, too, it's honest. What's he talking about? I'm getting older. Time is catching up on me. It's a circle of life. You know, circle of life, that's, that's a misnomer. It's not a circle of life. It's a circle of death. Die, 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 die. We're just circling. How do we break that circle? How do we end that? New, 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 new. New life, new covenant, new birth, new resurrection bodies when Jesus returns, an eternity spent in the new Jerusalem, in the new heavens, in the new earth, with a Savior who says, I make all things new. That's how you break the circle of death. You do it by being in the Son, in the Savior, Jesus Christ. Is He your Savior? That's the question for you. If He is, we're going to celebrate Him now and we're going to remember the work that He did that saved us from our sin. Bow with me in a word of prayer. Lord, we praise you in this place as being the redeemer of our souls, the one who broke that pattern, that circle of death. And Lord, we testify to your goodness You who reside beyond the sun, you who created the sun, came into this world, came under the sun, and you took on human flesh and you died for us so that we might escape this under the sun existence. Jesus, you are so worthy of our praise. And we ask you now, Lord, to help us remember you and worship you as we take the bread that signifies your body crucified on a cross, paying for our sin as we take of the cup, signifying your blood shed for our sin, giving us new life, We remember you now, Jesus. We celebrate you. We love you. Amen.